Glory to God for that, huh? Wow. Yeah. Not going to add much more. I'm just everything that's between you and uh, a delicious lunch. Um, We've been going through Galatians, and uh, we've been in the section where, and we got a new clicker, so this will be fun. Yeah. Um, Kind of the outline here, if this is your first week jumping into this series, uh, Galatians is written to people that are being accosted by Jewish people saying, hey, it's Jesus plus this, and then you'll be fine. It's not just Jesus work is final. It's saying, hey, we need you to come back and, and play by some of the rules that we used to play by. And this morning, if you take anything away from what I share, there's really three different avenues. Number one, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, I'm hoping that you hear the reality of the gospel. You heard this morning the, the change of life that happens, right? It's not about following a set of rules. And our world oftentimes looks at Christians and thinks, They're just a bunch of legalists because they follow a bunch of rules. And so hopefully this morning you can get past those things and hear that Jesus loves you and died on the cross for you. The second is for us as Christians that we, two things. One, that we recognize and maybe examine ourselves and say, has legalism creeped into my life? Is there a place where I'm worshiping the doing instead of the Savior? Have I gotten some things out of order? And only you would know that because you and God know your heart. Those around us, it may look the same. It may not be a life change. It may be a heart change that needs to happen. And then finally, all of us that know Christ, we aren't going to be pulled back into sacrificing and the ceremonial law. But maybe we get pulled back into the things of the world, and we'll talk about that a little bit. And, and maybe there are things that are distracting you and me that we need to stop and do business with God before we have lunch. Um, and we'll go through verses uh, along that line. So let's open in prayer and, and uh, excited to be with you as we go through um, this chapter. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for your word. Thank you for just the fact that we have written instruction that was guided by the Holy Spirit that we are able to um, devour and and learn and read. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be attentive to what you'd have each one of us to say, help us, or to hear. Help us not to listen to what's said and apply it to our neighbor. Help us to listen to what you have to say to us this morning. Lord, thank you for these baptisms this morning. Thank you for um, just the opportunity to see lives that desire to be obedient to you. And uh, Lord, we we just give you all the glory and honor and praise in Jesus' name, amen. So a lot of times we we believe things that we would never say, right? We believe things we'd never say. We say, well, we're justified by faith, but, right? And that first bullet point there, I'd just like you to read that and think about that. We cannot be justified by following rules. We cannot be justified by following rules. And somehow, as people, we want to, we like to look good, right? Like, hey, what's acceptable? Let me fit in. Some of us fit in by not fitting in, right? Like, um, we color our hair or, you know, whatever, grill mullets, whatever we do, um, (laughs) right? Sometimes we stand up, we, we, assimilate ourselves in by standing out, if that makes sense. So it may not look like we're uniform, but we're, we're trying to sometimes hit a standard because it makes us feel like we're accepted. The Judaizers fell prey to legalism. They were saying, hey, this Jesus, yes, he's our savior. If you were to ask them the gospel, they'd probably tell it to you pretty straight. And then they'd say, and... And there's no end to our salvation. It's Jesus Christ died for me. I'm a sinner. And the end is where we get into trouble. And yet we all have to live our lives day by day with the end, right? Jesus died for me, and I go to Bethany Bible Chapel, and I read my Bible every day, and, right, all the things that are not bad, that are necessary, but it's not what gets us 
into favor with God. So the, the quote here, legalism means worshiping these standards and thinking we're spiritual because we obey them. It also means judging others, other believers on the basis of those standards. My dad used to say, when I turned 15, my dad got really dumb. And then about 25, he started making sense again. If you've been a parent or are a parent, you are going to be, maybe they won't know the term, maybe they will, they're going to call you a legalist. Your kids are going to say, hey, you're legalistic, you're making this and this and this. And parents, why is that? Because you're passing on rules that they can't see the heart behind, right? So as parents, we pass on things that our kids need to do, right? There are things that they need to do and not do. The why behind it is still in question. You're training the why behind it. But some people never grow past the, I'm just going to buck up and, and push rules away. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take good practice and, good, and wisdom and say, no, I'm not going to do that because that would be legalistic. And our world today is wrought with confusion and randomness because of the desire to have no rules, and really all it is is the believing of the third lie of Satan that told Eve. What did he say at first? Did God really say? How often do I fall prey to that? I don't know God's word. That's why you need to be in it every day, not legalistically. It's, a, it's what you need. It's what I need. You won't surely die. We think, you know what? I can beat the odds. That's why 19-year-olds run at machine guns, because they don't think they're going to die. And then the last one catches us a lot is you can be like God. And we start to set our own rules. We try and set our own standards and we don't want to live by God's standards. And we miss out and we become legalistic on a set of standards that aren't even God's. And that lie that we swallow and believe in is hard. I tell a story when I was a kid, we had a small hobby farm and we had a really, really small tractor with a two-bottom plow that cut about this wide in a field. So the field didn't have to be very big. It took hours and hours and hours to plow that field. And I would be able to plow at night. We had a little tractor and the light. And I'd be out there just so excited. I was going to get as much done as I could so the next morning when Dad woke up to read his Bible, he'd look out the window and go, wow, Bobby got a lot done last night. I wasn't sitting on that tractor going, you know what? I can't believe dad just didn't come out here and do this himself. Or, you know what, I wonder how much is like my fair share of this field that I should plow. And as Christians, we can come with the same attitude to God. Okay, God, how, how, much, how much is my fair share? How much is enough? Is five minutes in the word enough? Is 10 minutes in the word enough? When God's just saying, you know, if in the next morning if I would have woken up and said, hey, look, Dad, I did 42 rounds and that, I figured that was about a third of the field, so that, that's good enough, right? No, I would miss out on the, of the joy. Why would I, why, what's the motivation behind an action? Why do I want to obey God? Just like when Levi as a little kid would come forward and, and you know, everyone wants to please your father, your mother, someone that you love, right? But the opportunity to recognize that God wants us to recognize his heart so that we respond with a similar heart out of love. When we come to him and say, hey, look what I did, he's just going, you're missing the point, Bob. I love you. And as Christians, we can fall into this piece here. Legalism does not mean the setting, of, the setting of spiritual standards. Rules are not legalism. I went to a private Christian school, and they made us wear a belt every day. And um, they, we had to tuck in our shirts. And I had a friend that would untuck his shirt and try and not wear a belt every day. And it's like in junior high, right? Well, they're just so legalistic. They make us wear belts, and they, right? This legalism word gets passed around when they're just rules, they're standards, right? There's nothing wrong with rules and standards. It's when we start to count on them as credit toward our good chart for God that we miss out on his love for us. 
how do we know? And it was interesting breaking bread this morning. Gabe kicked it off a little bit with excitement to be here, and then we went to joy. How do I know if I'm falling into legalism? Am I joyful? Is there joy in what I'm doing? Me sitting on the tractor plowing, I wasn't going, well, I got 14 more rounds to do, and then I'm done. It was, man, I wonder if I can actually stay up till midnight and stay awake. And that's the same way God wants us to be as well. He doesn't need the field plowed. He's going to get things done with or without us. But what he does want is our heart, and there's joy in that. And if, there, if you've lost the joy of your salvation, I'll just encourage you to consider this as a parameter. You might be being crazy faithful. Hooray, that's great. But the point is, is that we're not to just be faithful. We're to live out of a love for God that causes us. Jesus said, if you love me, obey my commands. This is not a free-for-all. It's not a lesson to say, hey, shed legalism, whatever rules you want to follow, be your own God. That's not it. That's what Satan would want us to take that, that piece. Look at Romans 14. Talks about liberty. Talks about preference, conscience, conviction, and in 1 Corinthians 8, kind of passages to discuss there. Justification. Those that were baptized this morning are justified before God. They're not just pardoned or forgiven. God actually has declared them righteous when they said, I'm going to avail myself to Christ's righteousness, have it be put on me by faith. It's more than, as George said, it's more than just forgiveness or pardon. We've been declared righteous. So when we come back to God and say, hey, look what I did good. He's going, I already see you as righteous. Just love me. We may do the same actions with, the same, with an attitude of, God, I love you. I want to obey you. I want to walk for you. And it may look the same to your neighbor, probably not to your Close friend, they may understand your heart. Your kids for sure, guys, if you don't have hearts that are trying to follow God out of love, your kids will read right through that. They're gonna see reality of, of what's driving us. Galatians 2, 16. I love George has been pounding on, don't check boxes. Yet you know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ, not by obeying the law, we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ, not because we have obeyed the law, for no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. We just want to keep on trying in our own strength. Salvation is so easy, it's hard. Faith in Christ is so easy, it's hard. We want to say, hey, I want to clean up my act and then I'll come to you, God. Hey, I want to, let me, I've got this habit, I know it's wrong, i got to stop that, and then I'll get saved. God just says, come to me as you are. Jesus already took care of all of that on the cross. Let me walk with you. I was, we were, Teresa and I were at a conference a week ago, and, and a guy from Zambia was describing some of the people he was, he was ministering to, and I loved how he said it. He just said, and we started walking with him. God just wants us to walk with him. He loves us and has a plan for our lives. We're going to jump through this passage here relatively quickly. Um, I'm assuming you don't have, maybe you have New Living in your hands, but I thought, well, it might be nice to have a different version on the screen than maybe what you're reading. Um, and then just point out some things. This, this passage is really an illustration. So Paul is talking to Judaizers, right? So they would know... All of the stories of the Old Testament, especially those in the, in the first five books, right? So he pulls out the story of when God promised Abraham a son. And then goes through that and is saying, trying to distinguish the difference between a son of promise and a son of someone that is there because of man's will. And each of us that have come to Christ, let us not forget, we didn't come to Christ because we figured it out. I don't care if you were raised in a Christian home, heard about Jesus since you were in the womb. It's a miracle that any of us stop and say, I'm a sinner, I need a savior. There's nothing we can do to earn our salvation. And so the opportunity for us to recognize that these Judaizers are trying to say Jesus plus, 
And somehow we kind of feel good if it's me plus, you know, whatever good I think I did this week. It's not that we're not supposed to do good. It's just that we're not supposed to do the good with the motivation of self-appreciation in God's sight. Paul starts off, my dear children, I feel as if I'm going through labor pains for you again. Paul had led, led them to Christ and they will continue till Christ is fully developed in your lives. I wish I were with you now so I could change my tone, but at this distance, I don't know how else to help you. Paul's wondering what in the world, right? He's got those he loves wandering, being attacked by Judaizers saying, hey, it's Jesus plus. And in those early chapters really was defending what the gospel is. Verse 21, I love, I love this. You can kind of almost hear when he says, change my tone. You can kind of hear Paul going, tell me what you want to live under the law. Tell me, you who want to live under the law, do you know what the law actually says? That's not a very nice way to kind of open things up, is it? Paul is meeting this legalism. Paul is meeting this return to the law head on. Not in a soft way, because why? Because it's so dangerous, and it creeps into all of our lives. Let's not read this passage and go, well, those crazy Galatians, they should have known they didn't need to return to the law. Some of us might have things creeping into our lives that we need to put in check as well. Galatians 4, and 23, the scriptures say, Paul goes on, that Abraham had two sons, from one his slave wife and one from his freeborn wife. We don't even really comprehend that. One he owned and one he married. How do I see myself before God? Am I a son with full rights and privileges or am I his slave that he just commands and owns. The son of the slave wife, verse 23, was born in a human attempt to bring about the fulfillment of God's promise. Hey, God promised it. Time goes by, 10 years-ish. No baby boy. Hey, let's take care of this. Here's Abraham, have another wife. Is that God's plan? How often do I jump ahead and try and help God out? But the son of the freeborn wife was born as God's own fulfillment of, this, of his promise. If you want to see the full story here that's being talked about, Genesis 21 is the passage that goes through this. You can look at, look at that. And actually the, the tragedy of one sin leading to horrific things is the case. Verse 24, the two women served as an illustration of God's two covenants. Remember, Paul was brought up under the, like the Harvard of the Judaism of the day under Gamaliel, right? Like he had this stuff cold from a knowledge standpoint. He knew exactly what was going on. Then as he came to Christ and saw that, oh, this is talking about Jesus. This is talking about who I am in Christ, right? The first woman, Hagar, represents Mount Sinai where people received the law that enslaved them. And what did the law enslave us to? Futility. None of us can be justified by the law. None of us can be good enough. Now that the Jerusalem is like Mount Sinai in Arabia because she and her children live in slavery to the law. But the other woman, Sarah, represents a heavenly Jerusalem. She is free and she is our mother. So really the summary there is the old covenant and the new covenant Law versus grace, slave versus free, conceived by man's will, flesh, versus God's provision, earthly bondage, and freedom again. Hagar's second wife, Abraham's first wife was Sarah. Hagar's the slave, Sarah was the free woman. Hagar's not meant to bear a child, God promised Abraham a son. It was 25 years before he was born. God is not slack concerning his promises. 
We do not have to try and help him out. Hagar gave birth to a slave. Sarah gave birth to an heir. Hagar was cast out and Sarah remained. It's a hard story. It's a hard unfolding of events. Verse 27 from Isaiah 54. Isaiah said, Rejoice, O childless woman, Sarah, you who have never given birth. Break into joyful shout, you who have never been in labor. For the desolate woman now has more children than the woman who lives with her husband. Verse 28. And you, dear brothers and sisters, are children of the promise, just like Isaac. So this is the point of this passage is right here. And you, dear brothers and sisters, are children of the promise just like Isaac. We've not been born of will of man. Each of us that are saved have been born by the Spirit. The Spirit's opened our eyes to a need of a Savior. And we've come and said, I'm a sinner. Help. John 1, 12 and 13. But as many as received him, that's Jesus, to them he, Jesus, gave the right to become the children of God to those who believe on his name, who are born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Praise God, if you're there, here, sitting here this morning and you know that you are saved, man, give yourself a smile. What joy is there in that? What joy is there in that? Praise God. But you, verse 29, but you are now being persecuted by those who want to keep the law. Just as Ishmael, the child born by human efforts, persecuted Isaac, the child born by the power of the Spirit. You know, we're going to be attacked. If I find myself in the crowd that's chastising or attacking others, saying, hey, you should, you should, you should, I better be careful that I'm not being legalistic even if I'm doing it out of love, right? I think those of us that are parents, there's a difference between you saying, Amber, you should, when she was 10, versus Amber, you should, when she's 21. And each of us have the opportunity to recognize that God is treating us as his sons and daughters. He loves us. He has the right to say, hey, this is what's good for you, this is what's not good for you, please. Not because he couldn't, strike us literally dead when we step out of line. That's not his heart. His heart is please. He's pleading for us. His heart is for us. And he desires to see us. And so may we not fall back into bondage. Verse 30. But what do the scriptures say about that? Get rid of the slave and her son, for the son of the slave woman will not share, in the, share the inheritance with the free woman's son. So, dear brothers and sisters, we are not children of the slave woman. We are children of the free woman. This is not the descendants of blood or race here. This is an illustration of, hey, we're no longer under the law. We are children of the promise. And Jesus was the answer to that promise. It took 4,000 years for Jesus to finally come. Isaac took 25 years for him to come. Jesus is coming again. We don't know how long that's going to be. But God is not slack concerning his promise. He's not willing that any should perish. Again, just going through legalism. And, you know, a lot of things get labeled as legalism that are not. Um, I'm going to put my toes in the, in the meddling water a little bit. But please don't run down the trail of what I'm meddling with. The reason I, I bring this up is because I really want you, each of us to examine before the Lord, not the person next to you. Where's my heart? Where's my heart? Am I like the 15 or 16-year-old that just says, well, I'm not going to do that because that's legalistic? Or am I like the adult that says, you know what? It's good for me to do that. It's not good for me to do the things, the other things that I want to do. Parents, you can pass on things to your kids that you prefer or maybe even that you have a conscience item about, but we can't pass on convictions. Convictions only come from God's word. 
Drawing lines where God draws lines is what we're to do. But there are so many lines in life that what's, an, what's a word that's appropriate for you may not be appropriate for me or what I do may, you know, the, the sacrificing, eating meat sacrificed to idols. And as a body of Christ, God's got us each one in different places and a lot of different things. Would it be best for everyone at Bethany to be at prayer meeting tonight if you're not serving in Awana? Yes. Yes. When was the last time you had an elder come and say, hey, we're missing you at prayer meeting? In a judgmental way and then say, you should be there. Unless you're close friends and then maybe you could nod. Head coverings. When have you had an elder come and say, hey, you need to do that? Maybe if you're serving on the, on the stage or you're, you're playing the piano or whatever, but other than that, why? Because the desire is not for an outward, outward expression. If someone just, the saying of the kid, I'm sitting down on the inside, but I'm standing up on the, out, on the outside, right? Like they tell you to stand up and I'm like, yeah, I'll stand up, but I'm really not. I was that kid that asked why all the time. And sometimes the answer to why is it's not something that you can understand, right? We break bread every week. What's God's word say? As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Does he say, every church that does it once a month or once a quarter, they are just missing out. Bethany's got it figured out. Why do we do it every week? Because we want to. It was the practice of the early church, yes. But we are commanded to break bread. We could do it every day. If we come and think, oh, I checked the box. I, you know, I, I've talked to my Catholic friends and, you know, I'd go sin and then I'd confess and it'd be okay. If we're just checking the box to, for these things, and it may look the same week by week. Trouty said, hey, I've been coming this for 30, 40 years, right? Like, we get into routines that maybe start off with the heart for God, but then we start kind of getting prideful, like, yeah, look at me, I'm doing good. And we forget why we're doing things. Barb Anderson played a number this morning during Breaking Bread that was in our wedding 32 years ago. Same woman, same song. I don't know your heart, Barb, but I, I think she plays it as unto the Lord. 32 years, the same song. Aren't you tired of that? <laughs> God wants our heart. He loves us. He is coming to you. He's coming to me with the heart of love. He is holy, 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 and just, and he won't put up with anything less than awe and respect. But he is coming at us with love. When we come to him with our junk, as good as it is, the Bible says it's filthy rags. The Judaizers were trying to drag the Galatians back into, hey, performance-based God walking. Legalism does not mean, again, rules are okay. If you take anything away, there is no joy in legalism, only duty. Do you have to go to small group? Maybe some weeks you feel like you do. I'm saying there's a general bent of our lives, right? Are we there because we want to be with our brothers and sisters in Christ? Are you a second-rate Christian? I heard a new term, a CEO Christian. Christian Easter only. <laughs> Christmas Easter only. Be a CEO Christian, yeah. Be in charge. I hope there's joy for you being here this morning. I hope there's joy when we gather around Jesus' name. If there's not, that's a sign. If you love me, obey my commands. You know, it's interesting, when we draw lines where God doesn't, we get into trouble. And 
I was actually at Levi's church out in Connecticut when he, they lived out there, and the pastor was talking about legalism, and I have brought that back, and it's really helped me, because legalism kind of makes me mad, right? Because it's like, no, why are, why are we, you know, like, stop it. And he talked about that first generation of Jews that God said, honor the Sabbath day and keep it holy, rest. And then somebody piped up and said, how many engineers, accountants, or exacting people are there? Well, what does that mean? Let's define it. When God said, I want you to rest. And so then they said, you know what? I think what it is is the furthest tent from the tabernacle in the desert was about 1,000 steps. So you're good at 999 steps, but 1,001 and you're bad. Right? So that first generation may have actually been trying to define something with a good heart. Saying, hey, I just want to obey God. What's he mean? What do you think? As parents, sometimes we can do the same. Trying to find things in a way that, you know, just trying to give our kids lines. Instead of giving them what God said. God said, honor the Sabbath day and keep it holy. So that first generation's like, okay. 999, I'm good. They were trying to please God. They were trying to obey him. They just wanted to know what it meant. How many of your 17-year-old, 18-year-old kids are like, yeah, tell me exactly what it is, and that's the line I'll draw, right? They really don't want to obey. They just want to know where the lines are so they can stick their toe across it or make sure the line's really there and why. We can be that way with God. Generation two comes along, and on, on Saturday, it wouldn't be on Sunday then, dad would say, hey, son, if you want to honor the Sabbath day, don't go a thousand steps. Okay, why? Well, God said to honor the Sabbath and keep it holy, and well, maybe he gives the reason why. Because back then they went from, you know, from the tabernacle to the furthest tent was about a thousand steps, so... We just said, hey, that's what it is. So 1,001, 999. Okay, Dad. Who's the son pleasing? God or Mom and Dad? Who am I trying to please? God or others around me? Third generation comes along. Son, 999 steps is good, 1,001 is bad. Why? Just because. Don't be, don't be asking me questions, just that's what it is. And all of a sudden you've got rules where the why, the heart behind it's gone. And you've got legalism that's driving decisions in life that God never intended. And this stench is a lot of why the world doesn't understand Christianity. Because they see us as a bunch of lines and they don't understand the heart behind it or the why. And as Christians, dare I say that sometimes we don't understand or take the time to understand the why behind different things. We have bread and wine this morning and grape juice. Do I look, look around and go, oh, who took the grape juice? Because I prefer the wine. Really? We're so petty. We're so, God's just going, just remember me. We only have one book now, but used to, we used to have three for those of you that remember. Actually, we had four because we had an insert in one. You know, the spiritual songs came out of the black book. The, the really good ones, if you want to be really good, and then the, no. We may be singing with the most beautiful voice and have no heart for God, and he doesn't accept any of that praise. Consider lines that you've drawn in your life. Are they consistent with God's word? Or are they just feel-good lines trying to approve, get God's approval. It may not look any different. 
May we continue to read God's word daily. May we continue to go to small group. May we not say, hey, I'll pray about going to prayer meeting. I love Stuart Craig. Whenever he asks someone to work in Awanas, someone says, oh, let me pray about it. He's like, just tell me no. What is it about praying for to listen to kids say verses, right? Like, I love that. What is it in my life that I have to examine and say, Lord, maybe doing the right thing, but not with the heart that you want. Or maybe I, I'm missing it completely and you've got something different for me. Repentance is a hard thing. Repentance is a hard thing. The old way of life is comfortable, slavery and bondage. You've got the children of Israel they come from getting beat every day. They go out in the desert. They think they're going to die. And they're like, man, remember the good food we had back there? Remember, like we always remember the good. When we're in the heat of trouble, we want, sometimes we just hit the eject button and revert back to our legalism. Reject, revert back to rules. Revert back to, instead of loving God, just trying to measure up by our good deeds. It's not just the children of Israel that were doing this. It was something that we have too. We may not struggle with going back into the ceremonial law, but we also, each one of us, if we're honest, everyone would raise their hand, struggle with bondage or cravings of the world. We're in the world not to be of it. 1 John 2.16, for the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from God, but are from this world. Craving for physical pleasure, craving for everything we see, pride in our achievements and possessions. That's the way the world is. What am I seeking after? What are you seeking after? Those saved by grace, what do we leave behind and what creeps back in? Maybe p pleasure is something, amusement. Dad used to say, it's non-thinkment. You turn your brain off. Sports, hunting, fishing, unproductive activities with self in the center. Void of eternal impact for God. They may be good things. But are they what God has for us. Possessions, materialism, all around us. What are we working and running like rabbits, rats for so hard? What is it that we need more of? Bible says with food and shelter, clothing, I'll be content. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Stuff, 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 more and more and more. It's what our culture is the heartbeat. It can creep into us as Christians. Just as, just as real as if we don't recognize that we are Christ. Does that mean that we all quit our jobs tomorrow and do what the first early church did and end up needing handouts? No, Paul says, hey, work so you have enough to share. So that's not the point. The point is, is what are we striving for? What am, I, what am I striving for? Is your place of work a place, that's your platform to share Christ with those around you or is it a, just a monetary, get as much as I can? Position, seeking job titles, degrees, honor, even church titles, power, desire to rule over others. Why do we have that desire? Because we're creating God's image. He's the ultimate authority. We just got to remember any authority we have is on loan. As a dad, as a boss, as a husband, as whatever role your mom So if the sun sets you free, you're truly free. Christians, I just would ask you, sorry, I've got four questions. I should have three. You'll never forget them, so take a picture if you want. And Christians are those that are relying on Jesus Christ, die on the cross for me. My faith in him is, what just, is why God justifies me. That's why God declares me righteous. Ask yourself, have I lost the joy of my salvation? 
Do I obey out of love or out of duty? If you take one home, take this one home. Just do business with God. Lord, have I lost the joy of my salvation? Or maybe where have I lost the joy of my salvation? Ask God to show you if legalism is creeping into your life. This has been a powerful study for me. I'm very passionate about, hey, I really want to follow after God, right? Like, I'd be that guy going, hey, let's define the 999, right? And I, so I have to fight that in my life to not just set a standard and then follow it. God wants our hearts first. It creeps in. Breaking your bread's not about challenging people to love Jesus more. Breaking bread's about saying, Jesus, you're awesome because of who you are. We come together and, and the opportunity for us to should one another, we don't should each other when we're worshiping. We just, we lift the name of Christ up. Not we should love him more. He is worthy of all of our love. Legalism creeps in. Put my arm around somebody and say, hey, you need to be at prayer meeting tonight. Or hey, I love you. Have you ever, like, when we're shooting people, that's what the Judaizers are doing. Ask God to show if you have returned to bondage or cravings of the world. Possessions, power, pleasure, position. Lord, is there something that's out of whack in my life? God with me, at least, usually points one thing out at a time because he knows I can only handle one. I'm a guy. What is it, Lord? Ask God to give you a renewed appreciation of the freedom you have in Christ. The joy of our salvation, that's why, that's why breaking bread week by week is so precious to me. It's not because God said we had to do it every week or in the way we do. We don't, we get, I mean, when I was growing up, to keep the flies off, they had a piece of cloth over the bread, right? Like, started, well, why do we have that? Well, I don't know, because they were meeting in farmland where there were lots of flies. I don't know. Things just creep in. Do we all of a sudden think have to be that way, and they don't? But that also doesn't mean that there aren't standards that God expects us to obey. There are things that he's asked us to do. There are things he's told us not to do. That he's not messing around or isn't, isn't squishy on what sin is. He's not so loving that he doesn't say, this is wrong, this is right. He's consistent in that. But what's our heart in going after that? Maybe you're here this morning and you're what we'd call the non-Christian. You're not a follower of Christ. Maybe you're just never really thought about it. Or maybe you're thinking, you know, I'm doing pretty good. When we knock on doors, 80% of the doors, I don't know what the number actually would be, Randy, but, well, I hope my good outweighs my bad, right? And you may be sitting here this morning thinking that. I'll just encourage you to look at what God says in his word. I love this, Acts 16, 30, and 31. This is a jailer speaking to Paul and after God's miraculously opened the jail, they were singing as they were going, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Maybe you're asking that question this morning. Hey, okay, so what do I have to do to be saved? What's the two-letter word that starts with D in there? Do. We all want to do something. What if the answer was, hey, you got to not eat for a week? I bet you'd do it. What if it was, I don't know, never say this word again. Whatever. No, what does he say? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. That's all it takes. Just believe in Jesus. When you stand before God and he says, why should I let you into heaven? It's not because I did my best. It's because Jesus died for me and paid for my sins. That's it. And I believed it. And then verse 32. And they shared the word of the Lord with him 
and with all who lived in the household. You know what? That starting of a walk with Christ starts with a simple believe. And then it's a life adventure, learning what it is that's behind God's heart for each of us. And that's why you come to church. That's why we fellowship. That's why we get together, so we can be confronted with one another of God's word. Verse 33 at that hour, so it's in the middle of the day, middle of the night, not in the middle of the day. Jailer cared for them, washed their wounds, and then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. We saw a baptism this morning. Maybe you're sitting here this morning, and God said it's not from a legalistic standpoint. He said, "Go therefore and make disciples." What's the next one? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Do you have to be baptized to go to heaven? No. If you're not baptized this morning, you know it. Did you believe and be baptized? That's what God asks us to do. Why would we not do it? Some of you are baptized as infants. That's not a baptism. That's getting wet. Some of you are baptized as young kids and you really weren't saved. Why do we do it? Not to gain favor with God but to obey him out of love. You're proclaiming to the world that, hey, I'm a follower of Christ in simplicity. Keeping the law are good works. Self-righteous, condemned, bondage, slave to sin, cursed. That's not a list I want to be ever. Why do we choose that? Because it's comfortable. It's what we used to know. Faith in Christ, declared righteous by God. I love that George has been pulling this out. It's not just forgiven or pardoned, but we've been declared righteous. Wow. We're not just forgiven. We're sons and daughters and heirs of, with Christ. Galatians 2.16 again. Yet we know that a person is made right with God by, what's it say? Faith in Jesus Christ. Not by all the good things we try and do. Not by anything that we could do of our own. Not by obeying the law. And we, and we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ, not because we've obeyed the law. For no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. God wants each of us to be forgiven. Why? Because he loves everyone the world out there is missing out on this message. It's the good news of the gospel. They may be missing out on it because they just think that being a Christian is a bunch of rules and regulations. And it's not. It's actually an opportunity to walk with our creator and find our purpose in life, which is to glorify him. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Romans 10, 9, and 10, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Maybe today's your day where you just go, you know what, I've been trying other things. I've been flopping around in this world, and it's not working. Maybe today is... Hey, I, I realized for the first time, God just wants me to come to him in faith. And then I get to walk with him. If I invited you to my house and didn't give you the address, or say, follow, or follow me, it wouldn't be a sincere offer. God's offering saying, hey, I want you to come to my house for all of eternity, Better yet, I want to walk with you now and give you the Holy Spirit to walk with you on this earth. In his word, he's been specific. Here's what it takes. Here's the address. Here's how you do it. It's by faith. It's not by faith plus. And it's so simple, it's hard. You can sit there in your chair and say, Lord Jesus, I don't understand everything, but I want to follow Jesus. Thank you for dying for me, a sinner. What the... Thief on the cross say, remember me when you come into paradise, boom. It's not a 
legalistic set of words that you have to make a right prayer. God knows our hearts. He doesn't, the prayer doesn't save us. It's the heart attitude saying, Lord, I want you. And recognize that he wants you even more. And he proved it, Romans 5.8. But God demonstrated his love for us while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. If you don't know Christ this morning, I would plead with you, don't get up out of your seat without doing business with God. If you are a follower of Christ, I'd plead with you, don't go to lunch without asking yourself, Lord, has legalism creeped into my life? Lord, I'm not experiencing joy in my walk with you. Help me to, I, I want that joy. Help me to put the joy of my salvation in the forefront and the, my righteousness in the background and lift the name of Christ higher. And the next couple of chapters in Galatians are going to be great because then it gets into here, here's how we live. And so as we look at this, we can kind of point the finger and go, well, we're not going to fall to Judaism, but we do fall to legalism and the draw of the world. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love for us. Thank you that you have given us your word to guide us and to show us that you love us. It's your love story to us. Lord, thank you for Paul so strongly defending the gospel that is just Jesus, not Jesus plus. Lord, as we come this morning as sinners saved by grace, as we come this morning as sinners that need a Savior, Lord, I just pray that you would speak to each of our hearts and may you draw us one by one. Help us to let go of the bondage of, of cravings of this world or bondage of legalism. And, and Lord, help us just to live and love freely as you would have us do. Lord, we know it's not that we then shed all rules. You, you've given us rules and, and reasons for what we do and why because it reflects who you are to the world around us. So help us to recognize the difference between legalism and rules and, and to see what you have for us as standards and desire to be obedient, not to show you how great we are, but to just express our love to you. As Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. Help us to do that out of love, not just out of duty. Lord, we love you. We thank you for the meal that's prepared. Lord, I know the heart of the people in the kitchen they prepared the meal for us out of joy and not out of duty and just praise you for what we're about to have together. May our conversations be centered around you. Thank you for those that were baptized this morning that took a step of obedience just to publicly say, I'm a Christ follower. Doesn't make them perfect, doesn't put them in a different class of heaven someday or anything else, but it does embolden their faith. May they go from here today encouraged as they've taken a step of obedience. We just love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.